What's up, folks of Gator Country? This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with Andrew Spivey. And finally, we get to announce some good news on this podcast after five weeks. Florida in football gets a victory over Sanford at home, 70-52. to A lot of things that were going on in this game that we want to discuss, but also Florida defeats Florida State in basketball. Finally gets the monkey off their back. The Gators dominate Florida State 71-55 to in basketball, man. So, you know, after having five weeks of bad news and nothing really good to talk about, it's finally, you know, relaxing and, and kind of, you know, makes you feel good this week that we can actually have some good news on this podcast today. Yeah, basketball gets that uh, seven-game losing streak uh, over with against FSU, and um, Mike White's team looks good. I mean, yeah. they're, um, they're, they're rolling. Um, that, uh, that new group is an experienced group. Uh, as my man, Eric said, uh, uh I believe it was Friday, um, or maybe, maybe it was Thursday. He, he put out a story about how, you know, the offense has kind of changed and, uh, evolved a little bit the last few years under Mike White. And, and you can tell that it's a, it's a lot better now. It's a, it's, it's allowing his guys to go at it, but, uh, that was the good news. Yeah. The bad news is Florida gave up a program record 42 points in the first half, um, not to just an FCS team. Overall, they had never allowed 42 points in the first half to a team, and Sanford did that. The same Sanford team that was blown out by UT Chattanooga. Um, yeah. Let's first address the, the the monkey in the room, and that is – after the game, Dan Mullen said, you know, saying a, a win is a bad win is is disrespectful to the game. And, you know, he said, um, you know, he allowed his players to celebrate, and there was the video going around of the players celebrating in the locker room, dancing and high-fiving each other, and uh, you name it, after the game. I think there's a couple ways we have to look at this, David, here in a second. And that is uh, on, on Monday, Dan Mullen said he's got to find a way to get the confidence back with the guys. A win's a confidence. Is there a bad win? No, there's no bad win. Um, I don't know the way – I don't know the best way to describe it. Uh, there's no bad win, but there is also not pretty wins. And it wasn't pretty. Um, the offense has every reason to be jumping up and down. Oh, yeah. 717 yards. Emory had a school record for all-purpose yards. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he was, I think he was like 20 yards away from setting, I think, the passing record for the single season. I yeah. think I think that one that currently, that was Kyle Trask last year that set that, right? Oh, uh, I, no, I, I believe that's still a Tebow record. It could be still a Tebow passing record. Passing in, in a game, yeah. Um, and, he, and he set the overall record for uh, all-purpose yards. He had, let's see, 500, um, 550 total yards. Yeah, 550 total yards, 28 for 34, six touchdowns, actually seven total touchdowns in in, yeah. in, in all uh, rushing and with passing. And that's not their record. Yeah, an 82% completion rating, a passer rating of 255.2, zero interceptions, no turnovers from Emory Jones. Finally, we get a non-turnover prone Emory Jones in one game. And, and, you know, offensively, you did what you were supposed to do to an FCS team. Right. A, a four and five FCS team. So I have nothing bad to say about the offense. The offense came well, out there. I will say this. What's that? You did what you were supposed to do offensively, but the offensive line, still no push, oh, man. Yeah, that was uh, bad. Still, you know, I mean, third and one, 
couldn't get it. Fourth and one, they got a beneficiary. They were bene- they were beneficiaries of a of a of a good spot. Yeah. Um, most of the runs were outside. Hardly none was inside the tackle. Um, that's a, that's the part that just frustrates me. And I know I'm nitpicking on the offense a little bit, but that's the part that just irritates the snot out of me, uh, David. And and that is, you're an offensive line. You're bigger, stronger, everything more physical, and you can't dominate Sanford up front. What are you doing? It just. Yeah. It, it's frustrating, man. It, it is. It's it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Well, that play call on that play too. That a quarterback sneak with uh, and Emory Jones. I know he's only like two fifteen. Considering that, that's a pretty small guy. Considering when you're putting him out on a football field, I didn't agree with the quarterback sneak call on that play. I believe you should have at least ran a running back like a Damian Pierce, who I'm going to get to later, who's the bigger running back. You only need one yard. You get a first down, whatever. But you're right. I even remember texting you during the game saying. Yeah, that shouldn't have been a uh, fourth down conversion at all. <laughs> There's no way yeah. that he got that much push to get over there, and I think that call was a little bit skewed. It should have went to Sanford. Kind of glad it went to us, but it should have went to Sanford. But, uh, you know, overall, man, um, like I said, offensively, you scored 70 points. That's what you should have done against the FCS opponent. You put up 717 total yards, and I remember saying this to somebody, uh, and, and – it was cool that they broke school records. It's good that they got a win. It's good that they got their confidence going. And whether they're recording them dancing in the locker room or not, who cares, whatever. Uh, it looks silly, according to other schools, and SEC schools and other media out, outlets out there, if you ask them. But like you said, you needed the confidence. But at the same time, you shouldn't have to put up 717 yards, 70 points against the FCS team to beat them because your defense is giving up a touchdown just about every single play out there. Like, you didn't have the lead until the middle of the third quarter. Well, what I'm saying, most FC, most teams that play FCS teams probably have about 500 or 600 yards total, probably. Maybe right. four or 500, but they don't have to put up 70 points to beat them. And they usually don't because they have their second and third team in by halftime. So they don't well, put when up they do put points. up 70, it's a 70 to 20 or, uh, you know, 70 to 15 score. Right. It's definitely not 70 to 52. And, um, you know, you give it up a 99-yard kickoff return turn to to them uh you know that the defense or the special teams showed its ugly head on on uh on saturday you know yeah. even you when you look at um even when you look at the uh the onside kick dan mullen said he, he talked about it before they went out there hey they're gonna go surprise onside kick they did and they got it um you know and listen it's surprise onside kick for a reason but at the same time you have to prepare that that was going to be there and that was going to come uh florida lost two out of the three on Saturday, yeah. uh, they lost defense and they lost special teams. Uh, but special teams, David, it, what the frustrating part for me was offsides. There's four offside penalties in the game. The guys still were not lined up at all um, at times, um, and and guys were just getting beat. Uh, yep. Avery Helm, Jadarius Perkins, those guys were just getting beat. Uh, you know, one on one and just getting beat with the guy out jumping them. And, you know, that's just – that can't happen. Missed tackles. Too many missed tackles out there. Um, uh, Again, cool you won, but the problems didn't go away. Um, And we talked about this on on Thursday's podcast – or Friday's podcast with Clifford. And that is there wasn't much to gain for winning here, but there was a lot to to lose. And you lost a ton. The, the hot seat talk on Dan Mullen, and we'll get to that in a minute. 
it's still there, and it's still there big time. Um, the defensive guys, they did nothing. They showed nothing on Saturday to say, hey, we deserve to stay. And, and listen, I, I was, I, I get it. You know, no, the defensive scheme didn't change just because Todd Grantham was fired. It's still the same defensive scheme. But I expected the calls to get in a little quicker. I expected the guys to have some more energy. The guys played with no energy on, on Saturday. No. And that's a, that's a problem. That's a that's a very bad problem. Is that guys play with no energy? They said everything that was right, you know, during the week about how they were fired up to play for Christian Robinson, and, and they were glad for Christian Robinson. They didn't show it on Saturday. No, they absolutely didn't. And uh, you alluded to Jed Arias, Perkins, and Avery Helm, and 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 I clued in on that too today. And I'd posted this on Twitter. I'd put Darius Perkins and Avery Helm were picked on quite a bit yesterday. Perkins would give up 88.9% of his targets, which is 8 for 9 for 109 yards and 30 yards after the catch and one touchdown. Helm would also give up 83.3% of his targets, 5 of 6 for 61 yards and 37 more yards after the catch. Sanford landed 34 of its 51 targets for 417 yards, landing 66.6% of their total targets yesterday against Florida and would also average 12.3 yards per reception. And I noted the stat that you just said, Florida would also break an SEC record for most points allowed in one half against an FCS opponent. That's not good, man. Um, I I don't, like, I understand that Todd Grantham is gone. And I understand that you have an assistant coaching the defense. But against an FCS team that's four and five, I don't care who's coaching your defense. You could have Bozo the Clown out there coaching your defense. You still shouldn't be giving up, what was it, 52 points and over 400 yards passing to an FCS opponent. That's just unacceptable. And and I don't, like, I'm happy for the win. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy that we're finally able to discuss and win on this podcast. But I am so just pissed off and ticked off that the defense allowed this to happen. And it's embarrassing. It's completely embarrassing. I don't care if you won the game or not. That is embarrassing. You got teams in the SEC looking at this, and you're going to go and play Missouri next week. It, if you give up this amount of points in Missouri, we're not scoring 70 points in Missouri. It's not happening. Like, the defense can't come out here this lackluster and give up this many yards passing. And, and even hundred yard, over 100 yards rushing they gave up as well. They had one receiver, Sanford had one receiver with, like, I believe 120-plus yards. Like, you can't give that up against any SEC opponents and expect to win the football game. Montreal, Washington. That kid's a, that kid's a stud. Yeah, that he kid's was playing on Sundays, man. That kid kid's a baller. That kid's a good player. Kid might have been the best player on the field, not named Emory Jones and Damian Pierce on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. uh, that kid was good, but yeah, like you said, I mean, you 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 go through it and you know that that effort is not good enough for Missouri. That effort's not good enough for Florida State. Um, that's the same effort you put out in the South Carolina game and and got beat. That's the same effort that you came out with LSU and Kentucky and you got beat. Um, you've got to figure that out, and you've got to figure that out quick of, of what it is. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe the fans getting on the, on the players a little bit for celebrating this week, maybe that gets them going. Maybe that, that puts a chip on their shoulder uh, to, to make them understand, hey, you know what, the, the fans are upset, yada, yada, yada. Uh, maybe Maybe that it maybe that fixes some things. I, I don't know, but there has got to be an energy. And, and again, I I put a lot of it on Dan. It, it, the, the mindset starts up front with the head man, and that's Dan himself. And you know, some people said, "Well, how come the offense came out playing well?" Well, first of all, it's against an FCS team, so they yeah, do what they they're supposed to do. Yeah. And secondly, the offensive line didn't come out with that energy. So like. <laughs> 
you know, Emory was just throwing it around like he was supposed to. Guys were making plays. Yeah, and it seemed like every 50-50 play that Sanford had on offense, Florida couldn't cover it. I, right. I, like you, That receiver, Washington, I mean, and he, I got to give him credit, man. He had some ridiculous catches this that game. touchdown catch? Yeah. Oh, my God. It was like one-handed, brings yeah. it in. I could not believe it. Like, every time they threw it to him, it seemed like he caught the football. And, and, that 99-yard touchdown, uh, kickoff return. Yeah. He was so patient when he waited on, on those holes to come open that it was it was unreal. Um, it just you've got to figure it out. You've got to figure it out quick. Um, and I and you know to go to your point a second ago, and that is once again Damian Pierce comes out. Damian Pierce plays really well. Uh, let's see, yep. 48, 78, 110, uh, 126 total yards. Uh, of all-purpose yards, three touchdowns, two rushing, one receiving, and he didn't get a carry until midway through the second quarter. Yeah, what the hell's up with that? Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't understand what goes through uh, Greg Knox's head and, and what kind of film he's watching as a coach, and I'm not going to Screw tell him. Screw what Greg to... Knox says for a second here. Yeah. Where's Dan Mullen, the head Right. Man? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's either, uh, it, it, it goes, it's Dan Mullen's choice. It's he should be telling Greg Knox, hey, look, Damian Pierce needs more carries. Damn all don't care. I, that's what I think. I just don't think he cares. But if you're watching film, if a fan and multiple thousands of fans can tell you, hey, look at Damian Pierce, look what he's doing. And I, I, I'm going to discuss Damian Pierce right now. You said 78 yards, two touchdowns, 11.1 average yards per rush, five forced missed tackles, three runs for 10 plus yards, 45 yards after contact, four first downs, all on just seven carries. He would also have three receptions for 48 yards. This is just one game in seven carries, and he's not getting the football. Most of his carries was in, in, was in trash time. Yeah, in trash time when you needed him at the first half of the game when Sanford was throwing bombs on your defense and scoring consistently at will. Um, right. his, his career statistics, 448 yards rushing, 6.6 .6 average yards per rush, 10 touchdowns, good stat here, zero fumbles. 217 receiving yards. He's also 18 for 18 in those receptions. So he's 100% in receptions and catching the ball. 274 yards after contact. 17 runs of 10-plus yards out of 68 carries. 28 runs resulting in first downs. 33 forced missed tackles. And the guy's only getting seven carries again. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's a problem. It's a problem. Um and, you know, Xavier Henderson, he, he has a good game. Kamori Gamble has a good game. Um, let's see. Naquan, yeah. 8 for 47. Okay. Um, Malik was okay. Um, 6 for 33. What a touchdown. Um, so, they were okay. Um, but, but again, Damian Pierce has been that workhorse, has been that, you know, that, that guy really all year. And you continue to fail to get him touches. Not, not, not even, you know – not even just touches. You fail to get him in the game, um, yep. and, it, and it's and it's very weird. Uh, but but I go back to this, David, and and that is just I I, I just I don't get it, man. I, I I just don't get I don't get giving up fifty two points to Sanford. I, I just you know, and Mullen came out and he wanted to give credit to Sanford and said you know their air raid, you know, pass happy offense. He uh, the uh. Chris Hatcher, he's from the Howl Mummy Tree, and, uh, and and that's that's all good. But guess what? Uh, you, you can't, you cannot, 
give up 52 points to Sanford. It just it makes you really question if everybody's given up. And, and, and again, I hate to do that. I really do because I, I know the guys haven't, you know, exactly quit. But it just it, – it, it makes the question out there. And whether Dan Mullen likes it or not, it just signals problems in your program. And, and again, if Grantham and, and Hevesy were the issues about the energy, that would have been fixed. But right. it wasn't. Now, the scheme still sucked. But, again, you can coach effort. You can coach that stuff, tackling, that kind of stuff. And it, and it just isn't happening. And, um, again, you know, many national analysts are saying, you know, uh, you know, that was the dagger. That was the nail in the coffin for Damon. I think Pat Forte um, said that and Bruce Feldman said that. And I, I'm almost kind of agreeing with that a, yep. a little bit because I, I don't know how you recover from that. You know, obviously you won, but you were still embarrassed. Yeah. So, and I'll even throw this out as an example, and I'm not trying to change the subject. I used to be in a bowling league when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And we were the number two team, and we had to play the number one team. And you play a three-game series. We won three out of we won three out of zero. Like we got all three series. We won. We we completely beat them in every single game. But I played really poorly. I played below average. I was not good. I was lucky that my three other teammates played really well, and we won the game. When I went home, I felt so terrible about it, and I said, "I got to get this fixed." What did I do wrong? And I kept thinking about it and thinking about it, even though I was happy with the win. I was still upset with myself and throwing that into today, these players and, and you know, this coach, okay, be happy with the win, but sit down and realize you gave up 52 points to Sanford, sit down and realize that you gave up 40 points to a South Carolina team that can't even average past 20 points on offense the week before. Like you're literally on defense giving up so many yards, so many pass plays, so many rushing plays that your, your, your offense literally has to do what it did last year, score over 40-plus points per game just to win a game. That's a problem. That's nothing to celebrate. Well, and again, you know, this was supposed to be a team that was run first, yeah. not pass first, and, and it's not happening. And here's my, here was, here's my thought on this. A win's a win. You, you should be happy you won the game. But you also have to know the opponent and know that things aren't there. Now, I don't have a problem with the guy celebrating it. I don't have a problem with Dan Mullen telling him to celebrate it. But some things are better done, not said. Yeah. Not coming out and saying, hey, you know, yeah, we're celebrating the win. No. You fumbling at the mouth again, Dan. You're, you're fumbling at the mouth. You know, some things just are better left unsaid, and that was one of them that should not have just been said. It should have just been left alone because when you said that, you opened yourself up for more scrutiny from people, and you can't say they're wrong because it shouldn't be close. You can't say they're right either because you won the football game. You did what you were trying to do. This is, this is the, the thing that I will say, David, and, and this is kind of where I'm at. If this was year one of the program and you were trying to, you know, rebound from, you know, um, a winless season or a two-win two season and you got to win and snap the losing streak, that's one thing. Yep. This is year four. You shouldn't be rebuilding. Yeah. Florida doesn't rebuild. Yeah, that's what Butch Jones does. 
He, he goes yeah. brick by brick every year and doesn't do anything. And and look, uh, I had a clip that I wanted to play, and and I watched the Alabama game. I watched a lot of games yesterday. I watched the Alabama game. They played their opponent, their out of conference opponent, maybe in fifty nine to three. And I'm gonna go ahead and play a clip that that Nick Saban did. And, and Nick Saban mentions the Sanford versus Florida game in our game, and he's not taking a shot or anything. He just kind of just mentioned it because somebody had asked him a question. But let me go ahead and play the clip real quick. So uh, it was kind of a strong effort from the first half starters, um, but it was kind of a, a still a fairly slow start on both sides in the first quarter, like for the first half, the first quarter. So how much of an emphasis has the first, you know, first quarter been in a week of preparation? Um, you know, uh, I, I think you really got to be digging deep. Um, you know, it's hard to win. And, um, I see people getting beat. What was the Florida score today against Stanford? It's, it's like 62-52 right now. They were down there. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want me to be critical of my team because we had to pump once in the first quarter and they got a field goal? I mean, I'm not going to do it. Um, like I said, they did a couple things. We made a couple mistakes. They did some things different. We adjusted to it. I think the players did a good job. And, um you know, I'm not going to be critical of anything that our players did when we win 59 to three. And he's right, 59 to three. That's what you're supposed to do against an out of conference FCS opponent. And uh, you know, it's funny that he alluded. That's the exact game that he thought of. He's 450 miles away, and somebody mentions just a mistake that they had had during the game, and and the other team scoring a field goal. And that's the first thing that comes up in his mind is that game against Sanford. So you already got head coaches looking at that game saying, "Wow." Right. Sanford scored 52 on Florida, and that's the thing. And, and, and Georgia, next week, they're going to have to play a 4-5 and five FCS team in Charleston Southern. I guarantee you that score is not going to be 52-70. to 70. I guarantee you they may not even score a point. They may score a touchdown. They may score a field goal. But Georgia's going to go in there and get the job done because they have better talent. They recruited really well. And Kirby, I can't say that he's the best coach out there, but he knows what he's doing for the most part to get the best players on the field and beat teams that he should beat handedly. Right. Well, and and like like Nick said, it's uh it's hard to win. And it is. It's very hard to win. Yep. Uh it is very very hard to win. I mean, you look in the NFL, if you if you win 3 out of 4 of your games, you're considered elite almost. You know, I mean, again, what I mean, it hasn't been an undefeated team since what 80 something. Or seventy something with the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you, you know, you had Brady and and, and New England, who that was the you know probably the greatest franchise of the last twenty years or so. And, and I mean, they 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 never went undefeated. So again, it's hard to win, but it's it's the way you win and it's perception. I keep saying this over and over and over. It's perception. Perception of your program when you when you're four and five and now you're five and five and you're in year four of your program. There's a perception about it. You know, you you look at a And M right now with Jimbo. It's perception. Yep. Is is a And M better as a program than they were when Jimbo took over? The answer is yes. Now they have a couple of losses. They played like crap against uh, Ole Miss on on Saturday, but they're a better program. This isn't a better program than Dan Mullen has. This is year four, and you're having these same problems. And furthermore, you're questioning the attitude, the mindset, 
of the program in year four, to me, that signals the end. That signals Dan Mullen has lost the program. Yeah. Um, personally, uh, going into next week, I'm not confident we're going to win that game. I think we drop it, to be honest. Um, Missouri's got a running back that's rushing for 1,200 yards, and we can't tackle a jersey with grip tape and gorilla glue on our hands. So, um, I, I, you know, something's got to give. If you, I'm going to say this. If you're a player on this team and you absolutely would die for your head coach, and we talked to Clifford Taylor last week, if you would absolutely die for your head coach and want your head coach to be here next year, you're going to do everything that you can to win these next two games. And you're not going to play like crap on defense. You're not going to get pushed around on the offensive line. And, and you know, I, defensively, I want to get into a little bit more notes here. Uh, only two sacks, four tackles for loss, and four quarterback hurries on the defensive line against four and five FCS team. Those numbers should be higher to me, if, you're, if, if you ask me, playing an FCS team. Uh, Sanford had a total of 14 total drives, only one three and out. They scored on seven of the 14 drives, six touchdowns, one field goal, and averaged 6.2 yards per play. And obviously, the special teams touchdown does not count for their offense. That's the thing is, like, the defensive line didn't even really get that much push either. And, and I noticed in the second half when they made they made good halftime adjustments on defense, especially on the defensive line, I noticed there was more blitzes in the second half. I noticed that they were putting more pressure on the quarterback or trying to get pressure on the quarterback. And that's why Sanford kind of just sputtered there on offense because the quarterback wasn't doing really well when he was pressured. And I think... In the first half, they didn't try to blitz as much. They tried to play a little bit more man, and they kept getting burned. Uh, Avery Helm kept getting burned. Jadarius Burgess kept getting burned. Kyrie Elam only allowed 27 yards, but did give up three penalties, a quarter of the penalties here in the game. He had a couple holding calls and a PI call, but you they did the right things at halftime to make the right adjustments, but there's still no excuse for you to give up 42 points in one half to FC. You know why the defensive line didn't get any push? Was that they have injuries and they have no depth? Do you know why they have no depth? They don't recruit. Yes, three defensive tackles outside of Gervin Dexter are transfers. Yeah, and Tony just yeah, it just doesn't. Uh, and Newkirk was out, um, you know, on Saturday, uh, but it, it just doesn't when you don't have depth. And you don't recruit well, it shows his ugly head, especially on the line of scrimmage. Um, and, and, it, and it is showing, and, it, and it's showing big time. And, you know, Florida, Florida continues. They, they lose Raymond Cottrell uh, this past week. Uh, he decommitted. So, you know, you, you're, you're continuing to go down this trail of not getting recruits. And, you know, you're expecting a new DC to come in. Well, if I'm a new DC and I'm coming in, I'm saying, well, what am I working with? Yeah, exactly. Like, what am I working with? I have no depth. You know, this isn't basketball where you can go recruit your whole team in a transfer portal. Yeah. You can't. You can't. It, it, it doesn't work that way. It, it, just, it just doesn't. I mean, you know, basketball is a little different. You know, there there's not great players at – Charleston Southern like it is in basketball or, you know, whatever, because there's not as many programs, but it just, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm at the point though, where I've seen enough. I, I really have. Um, and I, I think the pressure is going, is, is, is there now on the administration. I think the administration knows that, um, you know, I, I, I've seen a couple people talk about, you know, social media, social media is a buzz. 
And if you don't think the administration sees it, you know, you're crazy. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with, you know, boosters and stuff like that. They see it. Um, the, the, the support on Saturday, the, the, the crowd was, was awful. Now I, I knew it would be bad, uh, you know, being Sanford at noon, but not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. It, of course the weather was terrible. Um, it is a noon game against Sanford at home, but if you think that Florida's going into this game maybe six and two or seven and one, uh, I didn't never expect them to be undefeated. But say they were going into this game undefeated, there's going to be a lot more people there wanting to be in the stands and watch the game, even though they're playing Sanford. They're just going to be excited to want to see plays, even though they know they're going to blow the team out. They're still there to support the team, and that's the thing is is now you've got fans that are trying to sell their tickets. They don't want to show up. And that's called what I call a downward spiral. When you got fans selling tickets, fans aren't showing up. There's season ticket holders that won't even show up anymore. I've seen a few of them talk to me about it. And I said, look, if you want to show up to the game, support the team, that's fine. But if you don't want to support what's going on right now, I completely understand. It's it's up to you. Every fan's going to have a different opinion. There's going to be fans out there that no matter what, they're going to look at it. Well, a win's a win, and we'll go on to the next game. I've seen it all over the place, and that's fine. Um you know, at the end of the day, you know, it is a win, and I'm glad we can talk about a win. But, man, just looking at the downward stretch at these last two games, it's, it's if you're one of those guys that doesn't like to lose to Florida State every year and lose to your rivals, it's, I don't know, it's not looking good. I, I, I know Florida State's not good. They're not good either. I just saw them have a complete conundrum of a game against Miami last night. Um, They're still going to give you a challenge because your defense can't stop anybody. They can't stop. A, they can't stop a running game. They can't stop a counter play. They can't stop a deep bomb pass play from from anybody. They can't block a Sanford FCS receiver and 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 get an incompletion. They can't do anything. So you're gonna have to go into that Florida State game and and play lights out on offense. You're gonna have to play another. You're gonna have to play another game like you did against uh, Sanford. And it's not probably not gonna happen because Florida State has better talent. Even though that their talent is really bad right now, like ours. They still got talent, and they're going to push you to win this game. Um, so, I, I don't know, man. Like, me personally, I'm happy for the win. I'm just not happy with the result, and that's that's the problem. And and they're going to have to clean things up. Like, they're, they're going to honestly have to clean things up coming into Missouri. Like I said, they got a 1,200-yard rushing running back, and I am not confident that they're going to be able to stop that guy based on the fact that what I've seen so far now they did pretty good on defensive line stopping the run. They still were able to rush 100-plus yards. Um, but, you know, if you're giving up 114 rushing yards to a FCS team that's 4-5, and five, and then you give up 280-plus yards the week before to a South Carolina team that's just awful, what makes me think that they're going to be able to stop a Missouri running back that's already rushed for 1,200 yards? Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is you're going to Missouri. You're going to Columbia where it's going to be cold. It's going to be um, a long flight. It's the longest flight of the year that you have to go on every year uh, or every other year. Florida typically doesn't play well there. Um, it, you know, it, there's a lot of recipes for bad uh, bad things. I'm looking at Saturday's forecast. Uh, 54 is the high, but 35 is the low, and it's going to be 15-mile-an-hour winds in a cloudy day. Hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be bitter. Um, so you you see that and and you know that and and you just I, again you you see the the energy you see the passion that they had on Saturday, 
and you say, okay, it was already really low, you hope the win over Sanford, even though it's a win over Sanford, will get it up to travel to Missouri because you got to find a way to win one of these two games. Um, you do not want to go into the Florida state game needing that win. I, I just, that, that would, that's tough. It's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. Yeah. Well, I, I took a poll out there on Twitter and I, I asked the fans, what do you think happens? Do, do we go two and oh, do we lose one game then win one game or do we lose both? A lot of people voted for lose both. A lot of people voted for one out of one. Very little voted two out of nothing. So, um, you know, I, I'm thinking if you win the Missouri game, but then Florida State comes to home and they just completely pound you, does Dan Mullen still keep his job? No, I think he has to win out. Yeah. And even if he wins out, I don't know that he keeps his job. Yeah. It depends on how they look. Um, I, right. I think that's the biggest thing is how they look, um, you know, over these three games. They better come out with some energy. Um, and, and here's the thing for me, and – you know, I am very – I do not – I don't like to bash players per se when this is going like it is because this is a thing that starts with the head man. And, and right. something – and we, we, we don't know right now. Uh, we may never know a lot of times it comes out. But there's always something that the head man changes or does that makes things go sideways. Mm-hmm. Something has went sideways in the program and cause this again, not blaming it so much on the guys. I mean, you know, obviously they do have to come out with energy. They have to come out with a, you know, pride factor for the name on the back of the Jersey and the name on the front of their Jersey as well. But also it starts with the head man and it's just not happening right now. Right. And speaking of starting with the head man, I actually stayed up till about two or three or four in the morning, Saturday night. And I was watching SEC network and I don't know who said this on the panel. I don't know the guy's name, but it's a 35-second clip. I want to play it real quick. And Go ahead. I think, I think uh, quite honestly, the, the biggest problem right now in Gainesville is that there's a feeling that there's a lack of concern by Dan Mullen. There's a feeling that he's nonchalant about certain things. Like dancing in the locker room. Like dancing in the locker room after a game that, yes, you got a victory, but did you see what we're looking at on tape? And I think that that's probably going to be the biggest issue that he's got to deal with moving forward over this next even five days. And also when you look at recruiting, what kind of players do you have? But they have zero five-star recruits scheduled for the 2022 class. And so that lack of concern from him is something that's going to have to be addressed. Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, yeah, it does. You know, I mean, I forgot who it was. Uh, oh, I know what it was. It was the athletic article a couple of weeks ago where, you know, they said that the uh, – where opposing coaches said, you know, Dan Mullen's problem is he makes more excuses after losses. And yeah. and that's that's that. Um, so, yeah, it is – again, I hate that this is a down podcast. Hopefully Fridays it will be, you know, a little bit better. Let's get ready for Missouri. Um, it's just kind of where the program is in general. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of questions and – um, not enough answers, and and honestly, uh, the the issue is things are not good in year four. If this was year one, it's a little different. It's year four, and it's not, and what's coming ahead is not, and the noise in the system is is out there. Yeah, there is, um, and and if we want to end this podcast on a positive note, I'll go ahead and mention some offensive notes from this game that I haven't mentioned yet. The Gators would okay. only punt twice today turn it over on downs once, every other drive resulted in a touchdown. 
Florida would score touchdowns on 10 of the 13 total drives. Each scoring drive would result in three or less minutes, except for two drives, one for three minutes and 30 seconds and one for four minutes and 19 seconds. Average time to score for Florida this game was two minutes and 25 seconds. So that's a good note, man. Uh, it was good to see Emory Jones slinging it around. I mean, as much of a bad year, I can't even really say Emory Jones had a bad year. Um, as much of, you know, as turnovers and interceptions that he's had, he cleaned it up this game. There were zero turnovers. Um, he threw for almost 500 yards. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's something you want to see. You want to see from a quarterback a game that can boost confidence. And Emory Jones probably felt really good this game, almost breaking school records. It broke a few school records as well. And I'm sure he's, he's probably feeling good. He's probably feeling a lot more confident going into uh, Missouri and all that. And it was good. I was kind of glad to see that he got, you know, the bulk of, I guess, starts. I, I wanted to see Anthony Richardson. A lot of people thought we were going to see Anthony Richardson. And we did. Four minutes left into the game. I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Um, but it was good to see that if you're going to start a quarterback for a whole game, that you put him out there and you just kept, keep, keep letting him sling it. Like, Emory Jones won us this game. The offense won us this game. The defense didn't do us any favors, don't get me wrong, but Emory Jones won us this game, and, I, and that's something good that you want to see as your quarterback. You want to give him confidence. And like, right now, he's feeling, oh, my God, we were down. We, you know, we kept having to fight back, and I kept, you know, I kept this team in the game. And, and obviously, he's not going to just say it's himself. He's going to say his teammates helped him too, which he should. But he's got to think in his mind, like, man, I put up 70 points this much and just looking at it. It's a good confidence booster is, is pretty much all I'm saying for Emory Jones. And I'm, and, and I'm glad he got that. Uh, I also didn't get, um, you know, putting Anthony – well, I guess you could put Anthony Richardson in there towards the end of the game, but I didn't get him putting in Bowman considering Bowman's played three games already. This would be his fourth. So after this game, you're sacrificing a year of eligibility if you play him again. And you only had him run the ball three times in four minutes. I, I would have at least had Lingard out there or somebody that's already been on special teams every game or something, and it doesn't really matter. So I didn't get well. Why and I think Bowman the thing there. with Bowman is this, and that is it, it doesn't matter for Bowman either. You know, Bowman is as a guy that if he has a good year next year, he's gone. And then he'll be three years in, and you know, he's not staying six years or yeah, because that would be six years if he was the red shirt and he had last year with COVID. So he's not staying six years. So I didn't have so much of a problem with that. And I definitely didn't have a problem with Anthony not playing until late, just simply for the fact that you needed Emory. Emory was having a career day. Yeah. Um, you know, don't, don't pull in there, you know, when, uh, when that happened. Uh, and again, you know, it, it was tough with Bowman and, and Lingard just because, you do have three guys going really well right now. And and Damian needs more touches. So, yeah. you know, I'm okay with it. Um, again, I don't think Bowman, not the red shirt thing didn't matter to me with Bowman. He's he's not staying, at, you know, six years. And if he is, then he's not good enough anyway. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of all I got. I'll be honest with you, David. I mean, just to kind of – it, it just kind of is, yeah, right now. You yeah. know, it's got to go to Missouri, and you got to find a way to play better. Um, and, you know, again, you, you need you need to serve some life, and that's that's kind of where I'll end it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and you heard Anthony Richardson. Um, well, Emory Jones in the press conference say that Anthony Richardson didn't even want to come in because he wanted Emory Jones to break the record, which is kind of funny, and I thought that was cool that – you know, they have that kind of camaraderie be between each other, and they want to just see each other do well. And you're right. you got to stick with the hot hand. And unfortunately, Dan Mullen just doesn't get that at running back, but at least he gets that with quarterback. 
<laughs> right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's all I got, man. Uh, Florida is going to have to face off against Missouri away. Um, it's I think they're a 10-point favorite as of right now. Um, if I'm betting money, and I hate to say this because it makes me sound so bad, but I, if, if I was betting money, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it on Florida. I'd put it on Missouri. That You need more of a 10-point spread against that, the way that this defense is playing. So if you're a betting man, take that advice. But I still hope for a Florida victory. I still hope for them to beat Missouri, beat Florida State. I want them to prove me wrong. That's what I want. Just prove me wrong. Make me look stupid next week. If I was a betting man, I'd have never said it got the over yeah. on Saturday. And it was at the over with like, you know, two minutes into the second quarter, it was already at the over. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think it'll be a close game. We'll see. Uh, you know, I, I said this last year and I and I said it the year before. I've said it every year with Dan. And that is we'll see what team comes out. And that's the issue. That's why we're talking about Dan and his hot seat in year four. Right. Are we going to get the defense that came out against Alabama and Kentucky, or are we going to get the defense that came out against Sanford last week and South Carolina the week before? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> defense is up and down this year. And a uh, couple games, uh, actually, there's a good slate of games Michigan State versus Ohio State next week. Uh, we got yeah. Wake, Wake Forest and Clemson, too. Uh, that'll that'll yeah. be pretty good. Clemson still got Does that one defense. decide the, the coastal? Which one? Uh, Wake Forest, Clemson? Yeah. That is at South Carolina. No, does that decide who wins the Coastal Division? I think so. I think so. I think that does what? decide. Uh, well, no, Clemson's five and two in the ACC, and Wake Forest is six and zero. Oh. I think Wake Forest might just take it, or they might have already. That's taken right, it. because um, you had the situation where the Wake Forest North Carolina game didn't count in the ACC right. standings. Yeah, and yeah. You, you got Arkansas, Alabama. That should be a decent one. I still see Alabama taking it there. Uh, SMU plays Cincinnati. SMU ain't too bad of a team. Cincinnati's been a little shaky this year, um, barely getting out and escaping some wins here. So we'll see what happens in that game. Uh, you also have, well, I was looking at it earlier, Auburn, South Carolina. I believe Auburn will take that game. But you have Oregon and Utah. Oregon actually had a uh, almost a close one to Arizona State last, uh, last night there, but uh, they were able to pull it off. So we'll see what happens with Oregon and Utah there late at 730. But other than that, man, that's all I got here. Uh, for Gator Country's podcast here, recapping the Sanford game, uh, Andrew, you pretty sure you don't have anything else? Um, besides nah, the fact, man, that, uh, that's all I got. Besides the fact that there's good news this week, we got a win in football, we got a win in basketball, we got a great win in basketball. We dominated Florida State, so that makes me a happy Gator this week. But that'll wrap it up, folks, for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast. You can follow me at SoderQuestGC on Twitter, and you can follow Andrew Spivey at Andrew Spivey. GC on Twitter as well. That'll wrap it up, folks, for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast.